Hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. Today is Sunday, November 15th, 2020. A lot going on in our world, as usual. Heightened tensions, though, as well. Post-election kind of... Um, well, mix size of relief and then intense anger by the side that lost a lot of unresolved issues that are going to continue to go unresolved for the next couple months um, you know the country made a mistake a few years ago and we're kind of dealing with the consequences of that mistake in the current time, uh, you know, just person that lost and thankfully lost is uh, kind of not really doing anything and is kind of just totally tuned out. Schedule is basically going to lunch, like literally. You know, that's the only thing on the schedule is you know a, a luncheon with uh, you know some other business leader or something. So just kind of totally checked out. Uh, the lame duck and ducks, but you know, while still this kind of hunkered down in the White House, is also firing high level, you know, people in the Pentagon and stuff. And you know, this kind of one last like fuck you to America before he uh, is finally done. You know, how much damage can one person do uh, to a society's governmental structure? Uh, one person can do quite a bit uh, because it isn't just one person electing that one person allows that one person to elect other people that are are of similar mind and have a similar world view a similar kind of selfishness and arrogance and a similar kind of willingness to engage in cruelty to achieve their particular personal objectives which is usually nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, is usually um, more power and money. Now, the particular person in the White House right now, who has two months left in his term, who's kind of the embodiment of that kind of arrogant, selfish, rich person, who's rich and wealthy, not in mind and body and spirit or anything. They just have a lot of money. And they don't have a lot of money because they're good or successful, uh, you know, or created jobs, whatever that term means. No, he's, he's wealthy because he was born wealthy. And he's also wealthy because he's famous. And he's famous because he was born wealthy. Yeah. It's one of those things, if you are born wealthy and you want to be famous... You, you sort of get to be if you want to be. You just kind of have to pay a fee, basically. And you can just sort of, you know, force yourself on the world. Whether you wanted to know about Donald Trump or not, in the 1980s and 90s, you were going to hear about him. You know, he, he was on the news. If you're watching the nightly news, you're watching the news every day, you would hear about him. There's just no way around it, you know. Why was it relevant? 
because he was wealthy and he wanted to be known. No, he didn't really care whether he was known as a good person or a bad person. He just wanted to be known. Any any publicity is good publicity. So he was one of those classic kind of love him or hate him guys, you know. And uh, most people just didn't have a lot of respect for him. It was kind of the elephant in the room. He's a, he's a con man. Buyer beware. But, but that's just it. It's buyer beware. So you can be pre presented with all the information informing you that, you know, the, the the choice you're making, you know, or the product you're buying or the, the person you're investing in is a poor choice. And there could be all kinds of information sort of warning you of it. You choose to make that choice anyway. Well, that, that, that's buyer beware. You, you chose to do business with this particular individual. You chose to, you know, elevate his power. You, you chose to commit time and energy and money to the advancement of his personal goals. You, you know, he chose to do that, even though there was a profound mountain of evidence warning you that doing so would not benefit you at all. Um, you know, he, he's a con man. He's trying to gain your confidence in order to, n not to benefit you in any way. No, that's not even a concern of his. No, it, he's trying to gain your confidence and your money so that he can have more money and more power for himself. He has no ambitions of using the power for noble intent. No, that, that's not Mr. Trump's objective. And everybody knew that, but obviously not everybody. It is unfortunate when you see so many, you know, good, decent people that uh, support such a man you know that's he's just he's just not a good person we, we all know that we, we we can be adults you know yes there's that whole thing with um what is it what is the that um you thou without sin can cast person or whatever the heck but you know i'm not perfect no illusions of such but I think when it comes to someone like Mr. Trump, we, we should be able to be adults and, um, you know, kind of you know, let our children know, look, this, this particular individual, yes, he, he's an adult, he's older and all that, and you respect your elders, and yes, but Mr. Trump is not a person to emulate in any way. He's not a good human being. He, he, he took a wrong path and... He chose a certain life that was vindictive and cruel and hurt people. And, and he did it purposely uh, for his own selfish benefit. Even though he had no real necessity at all to engage in that sort of behavior. Um, he, he was trained to be that way, yes. But that's not, you know, there's a lot of people that grow up with a wide range of things to deal with as children, um, but that's what adulthood is for, and, but he just kind of was trained to be a certain way as a kid, uh, Mr. Trump was, you know, by his father, he was trained to believe that the world is winners and losers, he was trained to judge people based off of what they look like, uh, he, he formed stereotypes of people, he, um, he had a winners and losers attitude of, of the world.
And he was trained to be that way by his father. He was trained to be sort of cruel and vindictive. He was trained to be that that's the way to succeed. And that's the way to be the quote-unquote best. You know. Rig the game if you need to in order to win. And, and he certainly has done that throughout his career. Um, but, you know, his father died a long time ago. And you would think that Mr. Trump, being is the age that he is, you know, the, the, just the, the sheer number of, you know, important people that he's been around and he's rubbed elbows with over the years, it's pretty amazing that none of that is really rubbed off on him, and like, at all. You know, he's just... It is sort of amazing that he is exactly the same as he was in the 1980s. He's just older and in even worse health. You know, he just doesn't take good care of himself and, you know, doesn't exercise his mind or body or spirit. You know, he's just, uh, you know. But for me, the, the positives of Trump are because he's so obviously bad. And, and you get to see it. You, you know, we're, we're experiencing, we are experiencing right now what it's like when we choose to follow a person who is the complete opposite of someone like Jesus. You know, turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Those kinds of things that Jesus preached. Donald Trump is the exact opposite. And pretty clearly so, obviously so. He's a sort of a proponent of a very opposite life ethos. Ethos. Dude from MSNBC, the presidential historian, super smart guy. He always uses big words in a really, like, real casual way. What's that? Tim Meacham. He, I think he says, he pronounced it ethos. So that's probably the correct way to say it. But I've been saying it on my podcast the whole time. Ethos. I don't know. I'm not sure. I never studied Latin or anything. I do have a bachelor's degree, but I just went to a state college. And that particular state college is like on the verge of closing right now because of uh, Corona. You know, because no one's going to school and no one's in town. And anyway, I do have a bachelor's, but I'm, I certainly didn't go to like Harvard or Yale or some shit. So no big words just ain't quite in my natural cavalaries. Where was I now? Okay. Um, yeah, life ethos. Trump is like, you know, he's just an embodiment of a sort of negative worldview. You know, greed at all costs, win at all costs. Win meaning just, and a win is always pretty clear for him. More fame, more toys, more gold, more money. That's it. You know. Ending world hunger. You know, world peace. Uh, fighting climate change. Making sure curing the sick. Any of those things that he could invest in. You know, maybe he won't get a return financially, but it would be obviously a far greater um, return on investment as far as spiritual investment if if he was to use the monies that he has and do things like well you know lebron james a famous basketball player he's not he's not even a politician and he's certainly done more 
with his power and fame that he has less money of than Trump was born with. And he built schools, you know. He built the school that near where he's from, the community, that's a very respected school. There's going to be more children in that area going off to college, having successful careers. Because a guy who's really good at basketball and made a lot of money playing basketball and doing other things, but that's kind of what he's primarily known as, used some of the money that he made to invest in his school. What a novel idea. You know? Trump just... That's not his thing, though. You know, and he was born wealthy. He could have thought he could have just made a career of doing that. You know, so uh, in this particular example, uh, about the give, I've done a few times because uh, I was a financial advisor for a little while. So the most basic, easy advice I can give to anyone who comes across a lump sum of money or is getting ready to retire and they've been saving their whole life: fixed annuities. Just, you know, how long do you need to have a monthly stipend, and what do you want it to be? Okay, fixed annuities can make that happen. So, uh, you inherit $400 million in today's equivalent in today's dollars, which is what Donald Trump inherited. Donald Trump did not borrow $1 million from his father and then pay it back. No, he was given outright, not lent, he didn't pay back over 400 million in today's dollars from his father 400 million yeah so 400 million is an, is an amount that you can pay yourself an extremely exorbitant monthly salary forever and the money will never run out that's sort of the power of annuities so you know you can have 400 million that's the hundred million into an annuity that can pay you whatever it doesn't really matter say a half a million a month that's six million a year yeah it'll never run out if it's grown at even just a modest two to three percent interest yeah and if you can't function or live at all off of a half a million a month then you have some serious spending problems and you get your shit sorted out okay you don't need to buy a new car every single month or lease cars all the time, or if you want to lease, you could afford to lease a car, just lease one, maybe two, but certainly it doesn't have to be a some car that has a lease that's 20000 a month or some shit, you know, just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should, you know, I mean, but whatever, so, you know, you, you had $400 million, make yourself, take care of yourself, whatever, that's fine, Set yourself up so that you never have have to work and you can live comfortably for the entirety of your life. And that's only 25% of what you've inherited. The rest of it, that you need to invest in your society. Okay, you, you have more than enough to where you never have to work ever. You don't have to work. And you can live extremely comfortably. A very comfortable living allowance of $500,000 a month that will never run out. Yeah, that that's plenty of money. You know, if you want more, then then create something that actually has some value, true value. You know, not the hardware store true value, but like you know, um, like like real actual tangible value type thing. You know, is true value still around the hardware store? I don't know. 
We used to have True Value and Ace in my hometown. I think True Value went out of business when Walmart came to town after they cleared out the wetlands. And now all the uh, woods that were behind that old Walmart when it was wetlands are now all fancy homes. Yay! Economic boom. Although the homeless rate in my hometown has also gone up too. So, um, yeah, there's it's kind of a microcosm where, like, you know, the wealthy get wealthier and then the poor just get poorer and more of them. Yeah. Yay. GDP went up though. Ooh. Yippee. Yippee skippy. <laughs> uh. But uh, I guess it was yesterday, you know, Trump's uh, supporters upset that uh, they lost, and they, they lost by a lot. Biden won by over 5 million. So uh, prediction came true. I was predicting uh, over 5 million win by Biden. I just, you know, I guess it was a little naive to the realization that there's still that many people that digging Trump I don't get it man I don't know if I'll ever understand it um, I, I don't know if it's just like not getting out and about more not meeting more people that look different or are from different areas or something I'm, I'm not really sure what it is like what's the percentage of people who voted for Trump that have lived 20 or more years um continuously in a town that's smaller than 50,000. I'd be curious on what the percentage is there. A very specific kind of thing instead of just white men between the ages of 35 and 70. You know, what is that? I mean, it's all, you know, I hate being globbed in with that group because it's like, that's the group that I am supposedly a member of or whatever the fuck. And it's like, I never really... Rarely do my views ever line up with what that group is voting, you know, so I'm not really a member of that group, you know, but it's just sort of by default. I may, you know, but that more narrow specific thing, um, you know, people who have lived the last 20 or more years in a town that is smaller than 50,000, what is the percentage of them who voted for Donald Trump? I'd be curious. You know, yeah. You know, and of those people who have spent 20 or more years living continuously in a town that is smaller than 50,000, maybe even smaller than 30,000, how many, how often have they gone to other places and how far away? You know, over those 20 years, you know, have they ever left the United States? Um, I'd be curious, what, like, what are the numbers there, and what does it mean if if there is some sort of clear percentage, you know, if it is like a overwhelming, you know, among people who have lived twenty or more years in a town that's fifty thousand, that is fewer than fifty thousand people, you know, seventy five percent voted Trump, you know, what does that mean, you know, I mean there there is obviously. When you look at a Trump MAGA rally, there there is a lack of diversity, obviously and clearly. That is a whole heap of white people. And that's why the small number of black people that did vote Trump 
they kind of stand out and it looks off you're like why are they doing that but you know people are not a monolith you know each person is an individual person you know and i think that some of it might be a if you can't beat them join them type thing um you know the republican party is the ruling party donald trump is currently the president so maybe like proclaiming your support for the guy might win you favor among the uh group whose guy you know is in charge you know but not really i don't think because you know the guy that's in charge and the movement that he's leading it very much came to be and it very much is rooted in and the genesis of it is is racism you know donald trump's rise to fame began because in the 1970s him and his father refused to rent their condos to minorities those minorities sued donald trump and his father then eventually settled out of court these kind of things were like a kind of an ongoing theme of trump's life um and so but being racist is kind of generally speaking usually bad for business so you have to kind of so he has racist views but he's smart enough to know that being too overt could tarnish his brand name and make his brand you know more because it, it's a fine line because he part of his image is that he's the bad guy he is the con man he is the business villain that that's part of his thing you know you know he did he he's he's ruthless the killer he he if you know don't don't get even um or when it, or don't forgive get even or something shit i don't know he, he's got all kinds of monsters that were in the art of the deal that he was the subject of tony schwartz wrote art of the deal donald trump doesn't read or write books um that, that book was written for him he was the subject of the book but anyway um he has he's quoted in there all kinds of those those kind of mantras you know just kind of you know doing whatever you got to do to to win and to get more money and you know it doesn't really matter you know um so he does have and is known to have have you know very racist views you know negative views of people because of what they look like because of what their skin color is it's commonly referred to as racism and yeah that's been an ongoing theme in donald trump's life for as long as i can remember the three big ones are the beginnings of his fame what made him famous to begin with what brought him into national awareness refusing to rent to minorities refusing to do business with people exclusively because of what their skin color is okay it's called racism yeah did he ever apologize or acknowledge that what he did was wrong no no all these years later no 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 he has not the second big one was one when I was was actually during my lifetime that first one I hadn't even been born yet that was before I was born so that and I kind of I don't remember how much I knew about that specific thing when I was a little kid but I did, did just know that he was kind of off there was something off about him I just couldn't quite put my finger on it as a little kid still trying to figure out the world but he was a weird person but he was on TV all the time 
but he didn't seem to care about much of anything except having his name in gold on a big tall building wearing fancy suits and having lots of luxury toys and having lots of money and he seemed to have a very narrow apathetic view of life um, and it was just kind of uh, many years later when I took a skills test in high school to see that like what um, profession I would be most suited for it said business and I remember being devastated because my idea of a businessman was Donald Trump the sort of embodiment of just a sort of cruel ruthless uncaring person that only wanted money and fame and that's it and uh, I remember feeling very down about the tests this you know it was like a personality test saying that I could I should pick business you know it's like huh I don't really want to f spend my whole life focusing on acquiring tons of money you know like earning a profit at all costs you know that's not really you know but there's parts of business that I really enjoy you know like just knowing how to do I've learned working for businesses I've learned how to do all kinds of different things I've done lots of different jobs over the years uh, many you know um, you know so but anyway uh, I won't go through all that but the, the second thing with Trump was the uh, when I was a kid uh, probably what about this, the Central Park 5 incident Five teen teenagers were accused of uh, raping a woman in Central Park. Um, one of the main reasons they were even accused is because of the way they looked and the way they dressed. Um, they dressed in a style that was popular back in the early 90s and, and such. Uh, my, I had older friends and stuff. And when I was just a couple of years later, I was dressing in sort of a similar way, like, you know, starter jackets and stuff and baggy pants and whatnot. I sort of dressed like that in the, you know, throughout high school and stuff. But anyway, um, they were accused of a crime that it, it, some of them may even serve time for that it later came out that they did not commit. Um, you know, they, they were accused of a crime mostly because of what they look like and dress like. And um, it took many years for them to be finally vindicated. And then the, the true suspect was eventually apprehended and convicted at the time though when they were being charged with the crime donald trump paid for an ad to be put in the new york times demanding that the uh, death penalty be brought back he wanted those five teenagers to be executed they hadn't even been convicted yet but he was and again they later turned out to be falsely convicted the only thing that Trump had that he was positive that they were guilty was their race. He, he, yeah, that's it. Did he ever apologize for that or admit that it was wrong what he did? No. Okay. He, he wanted those five teenagers to be executed because he knew they did it. The reason he just was positive they did it was because of what they looked like. Yeah. The third big major racist sort of thing operating in full public view that Donald Trump engaged in was more recent, and that was during the Barack Obama presidency. Donald Trump did not want a black man to be president. However, saying it that overtly would obviously make it difficult for him to have any future political aspirations, being that overt 
you know. So he had to be slightly more subtle. Uh, and he went with the Barack Obama wasn't born in America thing. Uh, so, he, in other words, he made up some bullshit to try and create dissent uh, um, and to try to get the first African-American president removed from the presidency. He did not want a black man to be president. That That's what it was about. It's not like it was that subtle. It, it was pretty overt, but it, apparently it was subtle enough for some people to like pretend like it was a legit um, accusation or something, like it was like it had merits to it. Even though Barack Obama was born in Hawaii in 1961, you know, therefore he had achieved the age required and he was born in the United States. Hawaii was a state at the time. Again, the only sort of possible sort of interesting little caveat might be is if you were born in Hawaii in, say, 1949, you know, before you Hawaii became an, an official U.S. state. And there's still only 48 states. That'd be interesting. I th I, I'd still think you would have grounds to be eligible. For example, the first several presidents were not born in the United States of America. Why? Well, because the United States of America didn't exist yet. You know, they were born in what was technically, you know, Great Britain. They were subjects of Britain, technically, in the, when they were born. They were born in the colonies. You know, so they, they weren't born in the United States of America. Therefore, you know, you have to have some sort of whatever. So, if you had had a president, person running for president that was born in Hawaii, say, prior, or Alaska, prior to those states becoming a state, but then, you know, became a citizen when that state became a state and all that, I think you'd still be fine. I think you'd still be certainly eligible, you, you know. But even that little sort of slight caveat doesn't apply to Barack Obama. He was born in 1961. I keep saying 1961. I'm only, I'm fairly positive that's the year he was born. I didn't, uh, I know it was 1960-something. I know that he's younger than my parents. It's a, it makes, it's like, man, time flies. But anyway, um, that, I mean, so there, there was, yeah, he, he checked both boxes. That's it. You know, there, there is no, yeah, where your parents are born is kind of irrelevant. You know, that, that, it doesn't matter where your parents are born. Where, where were you born? The person running for the presidency. It's like, you know, his dad was born in Kenya. Okay. And <laughs> it doesn't really matter. My mom was born in Long Beach, California. My dad was born in Houston, Texas. Neato. I was not born in those states, though. I don't really... The only tie I have to those states is that they have ties to those states, you know, those areas. I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, you know, and Barack Obama was born in Hawaii. And, and that's one of the U.S. states. So, you know, yeah, he, he, he was eligible. But that was a, like a steady thing that Barack, uh, Barack Obama uh, received and was criticized for by Trump. The unfortunate thing is not so much that Trump 
a well-known famous racist dipshit going back to the 1970s, was saying, you know, racist dipshit white guy stuff. But that uh, it was put on the news. <laughs> Why did that happen? I mean, goodness gracious, there's all kinds of ignorant, stupid white people in this country. There are a dime a dozen, you know. <laughs> An old racist white guy. Oh, big news. An old racist white guy has old racist white guy stuff to say. Yeah, that's not really news, you know. Like, why does that need to be on the news? Yeah. It, oh, but he has lots of money, and he's the host of a game show. So that makes it news that he has these racist opinions. And news has to be unbiased, so they can't say that it's racist, where they can kind of say, well, this is kind of, this is, what, but why are they, why are they showing it? You know, what, why is the host of a game show's racist views news? Like, why? Like, if he, if he wants to have his own TV show, like Alex Jones on InfoWars, I, I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm not watching the show, not listening to it, but I'm all for free speech. If you take that sort of thing, go, you do that. Just, you know, maybe disconnect from it for a while. It's it's probably not healthy to watch too much InfoWars. That guy gets really worked up, and he gets paid a lot to sort of get people angry and agitated, and he gets himself into a real weird, negative, agitated state, And that seems, but he makes a lot of money doing it. You watching the show, you're not going to make tons of money watching the show you're just going to get ad you're, you're going to get all the negative agitation and distress and anger but you're not going to get paid to do it he, he's getting paid to do that so it's kind of different for him the host of the show and same with kind of trump you know like um all the stuff he's spewing and stuff like he keeps him on tv and all that and he, he makes lots of money he, he's good the policies he's doing yeah, they, they help him almost directly. Uh, they're, they're not going to help regular people, though. You know, um, no matter how much you want it to, or no matter how much you think it will, you know, spending billions of dollars on a wall that cuts through the middle of the desert, yeah, that ain't, that ain't going to benefit you. hate to break it to you. I hate to break it to you, but you ain't losing your job because there's a desert to our south. No, that, that that ain't why you're losing your job. You know, how many of your, how much of your, if you're working for a corporation, say, how much of the revenue that your corporation receives goes to the shareholders and the execs? Huh? Why don't you think about that before you start blaming, um, you know, people walking across the desert on on your woes. You know, all your woes, all, all your problems are because there's immigrants coming here. And, and there's not a big militarized, demilitarized zone to our south. We don't have that, so that means, you know, you're, you're going to lose your job. Or your way of life is going to go away or something. If you're working for a corporation, why don't you look into how much, what percentage of the revenues your corporation brings in that goes to a tiny percentage of people? And not to you and the rest of your workforce. The rest of the people working alongside you. The rest of the people, you know, doing all the work. Because the people that own the company, the shareholders of the company you work for, they ain't doing any work. You know that. 
Come on now. The execs, they wear suits every day and they, they go to board meetings. Yeah, they're not, they're not on the line or whatever. They're not in the factory. CEO of Chrysler or whatever, any car manufacturer, they're not in the car plant, you know, make, you know, assembling the cars. They're not in the, at the assembly line, you know. They're not doing any of that, you know. They're worrying about increasing shareholder value, and that's it. So think about that a little bit, and then think about, like, the organization you vote for a whole bunch. What do they actually do, you know? I get you vote for them because, like, the other one is going to have socialism. Ah, oh, no, okay. But the one you voted for, uh, you... you they convinced you to vote for them because, like, you're voting against the other one. Okay, fine. But what did you vote for? When you vote for Republican, you're voting for Republican. Forget the Democrats. Okay? You're not really... What are you voting for? What are you getting? Are you getting tax cuts for the wealthy and tax cuts for corporations and then deregulating corporations? How does that benefit you, a working class person? That is a great question to ponder um, the obvious answer clear-cut answer when you a person say making the median income in the United States about 60 ish grand a year what do you get if a person making five million dollars a year or more gets a tax cut or the corporation that has you know is a multi-billion dollar corporation and last year, the CEO of said corporation made $27 million or something. Type One of those kind of big, massive corporate entities. What is the benefit to you, a person making sixty grand a year, when that big, massive entity gets a tax cut? Hmm. I mean, obviously, nothing. <laughs> Why would you get anything? I mean... You know, no, you get nothing. So it's, it's a, do the people voting Republican who are not wealthy think that that's not what the Republicans do? That they aren't the organization that cuts taxes for the wealthy and cuts taxes for corporations, which benefits the wealthy and corporations? Do they just believe that the Republicans are doing something besides that? Or do they think that cutting taxes for the wealthy and corporations does indeed benefit them in some way. How and why? And how would that have a better benefit than just investing directly in the working class? Wouldn't that be cheaper? More, more effective? You know? Because um, it seems like when you just give small percentage more money, well then they just have greater control and they can sort of dictate the price of things in a wide variety of different commodities and sectors of the economy um, which has seems to have a very negative effect on the quality of life for most people so um, as you know as important as it is to have like you know the rewarding of success and, and all that there obviously needs to be some kind of constraints because when too few people have too much it makes a true democratic society almost virtually impossible um, because uh, 
the concentrated wealth that is in this country is extremely concentrated. You know, the people who got tax cuts under Trump and the Republican Party back in 2017, it was one of the first things Donald Trump signed into law. Those people who got a tax cut were wealthy. You know, they had money. They were good. They, I mean... There were, they had no need for a tax cut by any stretch of the imagination. Not even kinda. They were wealthy. You know. What, but what is our perception of wealthy people? We want to believe that all of the wealthy people in this country, the most wealthy of the wealthy, are there because they are the most bestest. <laughs> you know, they're the super dupers of everything you know they, they they know how to do all they're um they're just omnipresent or whatever they're just they're just amazing and unfortunately in many cases all too many it's just not what it is you know there's just people who inherited a whole bunch of money crap tons of money and then just because they started out with so much money they were able to get more money even easier without really doing much of anything you know, it's just, that's just how it goes. Just owning stuff isn't really owning stuff that you inherited and other people run, running and taking care of the things for you and you just sort of owning it. That's, you know, you won the lottery. Neato. You picked the winning ticket. Except you didn't even pick it. It was just picked for you and it was handed to you. You didn't even have to buy in or anything. You know. So, for whatever reason, though, you know, millions of people, just working class, just continue to vote for that. And as long as people do, that organization is just going to keep doing what they do. I mean, they do it fully out in the open. You know, the Republican Party is the organization that protects the interests of the wealthy. It's what they do. You know, and the main way they're able to convince. Millions of working class people to continue to go along with it is um, through fear. You know, if you vote Democrat, they're going to instill socialism. Meanwhile, what is the Republican Party? There's socialism for the wealthy. A government that protects the interests of the wealthy at all costs. Bends over backwards. Uses taxpayer dollars. You know, we pay politicians. Money is taken out of our checks to pay their salaries. And what do they do with that time? As public servants, they write laws that benefit the wealthy. That's socialism for the wealthy. Okay, socialism. But anything, any tax that's taken out of your check that goes to fund something that's for the greater good, is socialism. Um, but that's why, you know, funding the government, you know, through collecting taxes. Pure capitalism, there's basically no taxes at all. Everything is privately funded. You, you know, it, which obviously you, you can't have in a you know truly democratic society. You have to have some kind of, you know, system of, of some kind, you know, rights protected type thing. It's uh, finding the right sort of... Uh, I don't know, the, the right attributes for the people that are going to be 
running the system, I guess, or, you know, helping make it flow in the best way. That's where it gets tricky. You know, because um, if you don't have socialism of any kind, then even things like, you know, defense, security, uh, health care, you know, police, fire department type stuff, all that is privately funded, obviously. It, yeah, the police and fire department, the United States military, that's all funded through taxes. Um, you know. uh, if you have zero socialism, then, you know, uh, every single road that you drive on, you would have to have some sort of fee to pay because it would all be privately owned. Right, you know, so, yeah, zero taxes is is completely illogical. You, know, you can't. You, know, you have to you have to fund the basic system. You know, you can't just have where only the people with money get to control what goes on. That that's stupid. That that doesn't work. And that's we've come too far as a species to revert, revert you know, revert back to such systems that were popular. Well, not popular, but were the just were the way that things were done, um, you know, hundreds of years ago. Where you have a noble sort of ruling class that uh, are the landowners and all that, and everyone else just works the land, and they have few to any rights at all, and little to any say in the government, uh, because the government is just you know a king. That's just it's just a hierarchy, you know, and that's it. You know, you're born into it. And if you're not born into it, tough shit. It's not really you can do. Until there's enough people that revolt and then whatever. So, um, you know, in other words, if you, if you want to be a democracy, yes, you have to have a certain level of socialism. In other words, everyone chipping in a little, some people more, to help fund the things that everybody needs. The people who can afford to pay for those things that everyone needs on their own, they're going to whine and bitch and moan about having any penny taken out of their, you know, surplus of monies to fund things that they can take care of on their own. So that is what happens. You know, the Republican Party pays for all kinds of anti-socialism messaging to scare people into believing that voting Democrat is going to lead to fascism or something there's some kind of they're not really they don't really explain what it is that they mean by socialism you know yet they'll they'll support a government that's going to ban people from certain countries because the major religion in those countries is muslim you know they're going to support a government that Kidnaps children from their parents because they were walking across the desert without paperwork and then they're gonna lose contact with the parents and then you're gonna have 666 children whose parents are unaccounted for and they have no idea where their parents for and these children are gonna continue to be locked up in cages for the crime of walking across the desert without paperwork and you're gonna continue to support that but then you're gonna like say that socialism is some evil thing in its absolutist form, it's no good. That's why there's levels. We're, we're not a binary society. It's not either or. 
Okay, we, we are an individualist capitalist society that's also a republic and a democratic society and has certain basic rights that are guaranteed. In order to guarantee those, we do have to kind of invest in certain measures to make sure that those rights are protected. People have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To me, that would mean that, yes, you have the right to go to a hospital when you're sick and you need healing. You have the right to go to a school to learn. And you certainly have the right to go to any publicly funded school if you're, you know, able to get in or whatever. You apply. Your grades are good enough or whatever. Then you can get in and go. You should be able to do that, yeah. And if you want to learn certain skills, ones that are in high demand especially, go do that. Why not? Yeah, that would help you pursue happiness. It would also help you best contribute to the society because you would be doing a skill or learning knowledge and something that you have interest in. And therefore it would be best um, equipped to give your best self to this society. You know, why not? Yeah. Why does so many resources have to be devoted to a tiny group? Why, why do we have to do it that way? Why is that the only way? We, we must cater to the whims and desires of the 2% or else there will be total anarchy. Why? Why can't they just scale back a smidge and then we'll have well-funded hospitals, well-funded schools, a safe infrastructure to drive over and use and you know the planes will be well inspected and all that sort of thing. There's there are going to be certain standards. What you do above and beyond any sort of basic you know, sustenance that our society guarantees, you know, you, you gotta, you, you have the right to an education, you have the right to health care, and you have the right to a, a very basic income at, at a minimum, you know, whether you're working or not. Define working. What is work? You know, does Donald Trump work? No. Donald Trump has never worked a day in his life. Are you kidding? Like, what do we, I mean, he puts on a suit, sits at a desk. Am I working right now? Talking on this? No. Just talking on a podcast. Even if it has made some slight monies that's uncollectible as of yet because it's so small. It, it, it's not really a job, you know. Donald Trump has never worked, you know. He, he goes on TV, wears a nice suit, you know. But one could say that about other professions, people from that don't do that respective thing might say, well, that's is it a job. The people that really enjoy what they do, they only here and there may it actually feel like a true job, whether it's good days and bad days or whatever. But, I mean, saying all that, it's the sort of the preeminent argument that some people have with a universal basic income or a freedom dividend. Well, there's some people that aren't going to work at all, and they're just going to live off the basic income. That's a burr. So, what the fuck do you care? <laughs> you will also get the universal basic income, and if you're working as well, you'll earn more money above and beyond that basic income. So, you'll have a, you know, more money than the person just having a basic income. 
so more money just means yeah you'll you'll have more money because you're 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 working if you're not working you'll just have the basic income but if you're working you'll have the basic income and whatever money you're making working so there you go what you choose to do with your money is up to you so if you want to keep spending three hundred dollars a month blue cross blue shield when hospitals are a right you know that's up to you it's your money you know so yeah that's because uh, I would say that I'm a fiscal conservative small government um, progressive I think the government should be small it should be bringing in enough money to pay for the things that we need to pay for <laughs> Now, what about the Uber billionaire that has 25 cars and, you know, 16 homes all over the world and they got a certain way of life that they really become accustomed to? What are they going to do, you know, if we have to raise more money to pay for the things as a society that we need to pay for? You know, I, I, I get that it would be a real bummer for those people that have massive, massive amounts of money to possibly sometime in the future to have to think about maybe scaling it down a smidge. It might not even be necessary, even with a marginal tax, wealth tax type thing. They may not even have to make any adjustments. It may not even matter. Why? Well, for the example I gave earlier with the fixed annuity thing, if you make some certain basic investments early in your life with the inheritance that you got and you're earning say three four hundred thousand dollars a month from an annuity and you have other incomes and stuff yeah you're 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 good to go you're fine that's an extremely affluent lifestyle if your net worth is less okay fine whatever what what's your way of life beyond what your net worth number is you know and unfortunately there's a lot of people in that high net worth group that seem to be like have a real strong identity with that number you know and the relationship with it what, what is their net worth you know the Forbes list of the richest people you know that's Donald Trump always wanted to be on that list, you know, the wealthiest people in the world, you know. He really campaigned for it. And in fact, you know, years later, discovered that he probably most likely embellished quite a bit, uh, leveraged quite a bit of things and overindulged, overvalued things to try to get himself on that list. So that's a lot of what it is. That's a lot of what the sort of rhetoric about anti marginal tax wealth tax type stuff is it's coming from those specific people that would have to pay it the amazing thing though is how they're able to convince working class people <laughs> regular working class people who will not be paying a marginal tax no marginal tax is going to be paid by about two percent of the population roughly if that even extremely small percentage of the people that are going to be paying a marginal tax you know, but Fox News and various Republican pundits and stuff will go on and scare regular people into believing 
that they're going to be paying a marginal tax or an estate tax or a wealth tax, which they will not. You're making 300000 a year. You're going to be paying the marginal tax? No. Nope. You're not even close. You're not even in the ballpark. You're way, you're making way too small of amount to pay the marginal tax if you're making $300,000 a year. Think about that. How many of the working class are making 300000 And think about the ones who are. The people I've known in my life who are making that kind of money were busting it. And I've known several people personally who are making the, you know, the, the high six-figure kind of monies. They're working it, man. You know, they're working 70 hours, 80 hours a week. Yeah, most of them, yeah, suit and tie type work, a lot of it. But there, I've known people, too, that, yeah, they make that kind of money or more doing more traditional kind of blue-collar work. You can make good money doing that, too, especially if you create your own thing and then you start paying other people to do the work. You secure the job, boom, boom, collect money, assign the people to the thing, you know. You can do very well, but it's it's grind. All the people I know that make that kind of money, they are working, and they are working hard. You know, long hours, really getting after it. And that's the weird thing is like, it, you go from that group, the three five hundred thousand, the people that actually end up paying the marginal tax, a huge percentage of them are people that just own stuff, not stuff that they created, but stuff they inherited. You know. And it's just like interest from a previous investment that they never even had to make. It was just made for them before they were even born. The Walton family, descendants of Sam Walton, some of the wealthiest people in the world. They own Walmart, the big behemoth store that people have a sort of almost emotional attachment to, you know. It's like a big part of their lives going to Walmart all the time, you know. Fucking Walmart. can't stand that fucking place it's like it takes everything just to, to not go there like ever I hate having to go there but it's like so many people it's just they just they just sort of drawn to it like moth stew flame or whatever you know it's just Walmart but they're so much cheaper than everything else that's uh that's the American dream like you can just kind of watch it, just kind of evaporate, just walking into a Walmart. Every single one is exactly the same, basically. Exact same layout, same sort of depressed, anxious employees, mixed with a few handful that are way too excited to work there. So, you know, but you know, most people that are working at Walmart, yeah, they're not they're not making a good living, and they know that. It's a shit job. Uniforms, a stupid blue vest. You know. Anyway. Hoping for brighter things in the future. Hope we get through this coronavirus soon. Yeah, hopefully it's a bright sunny day today. Good Sunday. By the way, corona is still going as well, so make sure you wear a mask, practice social distancing. It's going to be a grind yet. And, uh, you know, stay safe out there. God bless. This is Gary. Thinking out loud.